Welcome to the spoiler cast for Rehydrate. This episode will contain spoilers for all of the three-body problem and the entire Remembrance of Earth's past series. If you don't want to be spoiled on future events, please skip this episode. This is Season 1, Episode 6, Red Coast, covering chapters 12 to 20 of the three-body problem. My name is Amin, and I have only read up to chapter 20 of this book, but I have been co-hosting this with Dan, so the series has been spoiled for me. Hi, I'm Dan. I've read the series now three times. I just finished the, the my third read-through for, for this show. So, Dan, a lot happened in these last eight chapters that we read. Um, so do you want to talk a little bit about um, the imminent alien contact and what's going to happen with that in the future? Yeah, like they, they make contact with the aliens. And um, when we talked about it with Tim and Jim uh, on, the, on the regular show, we I, I kind of asked the, the question, you know, are, is all the contact benevolent? And the reason I did that um, is because the it's not <laughs> as far as this the show or this the series. So when they make contact with the Trisolarians, the intention is for their intention is to come here and conquer the planet, and that's why they send the Sophons to um, destroy or to to stop scientific progress and to to get Wang Miao to stop his progress on the nanomaterial. And that whole purpose of the of the the second book called, called the Dark Forest is by the Dark Forest theory where. You know, you don't know who is like a friend or a foe in the in a dark forest. You just like shoot. You just you just kill them first, so they they can attack you without having to. You determine if they're their friend or foe, and I've seen a lot of real news stories about that as well. Like, you know, is it dangerous for you know humans to send messages into space because you know who knows what could be out there? You know, who knows if like an alien is going to get that message and come here? So this this book and this whole this whole series kind of expands into the idea. Um, I mean, have you seen stories like that? Do you have any thoughts around what contact with an alien life would actually be like? We, we talked a little bit about this on the regular podcast, and I don't know if you, there was a show or something called Alien Nation back in the late 80s. I think it was a movie first, and then it turned into the show, and they, yeah. they kind of assimilated with us. So so I think that's, you know, that's one extreme. And I think the other the other thing that I thought about was was the movie Contact, where they had interactions with, I, I guess, aliens, but it was a very different type of thing. One of the things I we talked about on the main podcast was Jim was talking about our the the golden record, I guess, that was sent out into space, and if an alien found it, what would they do with it? Yeah. And I was also thinking about if an alien sent us a golden record, would we even one on our huge planet would we even ever find it and if we did find it would we be able to decipher it so i don't know i i I think i think the whole alien contact thing would be much closer to where i think this book is going which is kind of world world panic and world hysteria or kind of what happened in contact more so than some of the things that you saw in the in 50s sci-fi movies there's there's two two parts of it right like the first part is like just the realization that the the civilian aspect of it. And that's what they've talked about in this book is like, uh, you know, in those chapters where they're kind of given the readouts of, you know, the, the Red Coast base, they're talking about like the effect on the population and like how they would react to it. That's that's one possible negative effect, right? Where people kind of lose hope because like now they're not as special as they thought they were, right? They're not alone in the universe. Uh, maybe they lose hope, you know, faith in God or whatever, you know, because their their, their perspective has just totally changed. Uh, and, and then the other half is that like 
aliens who are actually interpreting a message are actually dangerous and going to come here and, and, you know, and, and take over the planet. Uh, and so that's what this whole series is really about is because Trisolaris is, as a planet is not sustainable. You know, it's has the, has the problem of revolving around three suns. It's, you know, it's, it's rapidly approaching the point where it falls into the sun and it's just not sustainable to live there anymore. And like the conditions are so harsh that they have to develop um, scientific research to, to leave and, and come somewhere else. And then they get lucky by us being kind of naive and sending a message into space um, saying, Hey, we're here. You should, you should be friends with us. Right. <laughs> and then they go, Oh, great. That's a place for us to take over. And so, and so they develop the, the SOFON technology where they can come here. They send the, the 11-dimensional uh, protons um, that have computers inside them and then block scientific research. So we can't progress uh, in science as fast as we have been. So like one of the points that they make is like in the past like couple hundred years, we've made huge strides in, in scientific research, right? Think, thinking about where we were in like the 1700s versus where we are in the, the, 20, the 2000s, right? If we continue along that same exponential path, like we'll definitely be too much of a threat to take over. So that's why they send the Sophons here to block that progress. Where the Trisolarians themselves are more linear in their in their progress, like they have evolved for a long time and made that made progress that's, that's higher than ours, but that took a lot longer for them to accomplish that than it's than it has taken us to accomplish where we've been to. So I, you know, obviously that's fiction. There's, there's a lot of like creative license that happens there. But I think the point is still valid, right? You know, if there's an alien life form out there that is more intelligent than us, like, will they, you know, want to just be friends with us and share knowledge and, and that kind of thing? Probably not, right? Right, because if we, if we found out that our Earth was going to be destroyed in the next hundred years, but we knew that there were beings on Mars, I'm sure we would just, just, just like the initial explorers did to. North America, I'm sure it would be more of a rape and pillage approach than a hey, let's let's see if we can live together uh, peacefully. So, right, yeah, I I totally see that. Yeah, so it, it's you know that those thoughts really get expanded on, and especially the next book, like when the starts talking about the three body problem uh, about the the dark forest theory and kind of the humans' reaction to to knowing about the Trisolarians and then all the things that go with that, uh, and then kind of the the methods they do to stop the Trisolarians from coming here. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it gets really interesting philosophically if, you, if you're interested in that kind of thing, like The Dark Force is the the book for that. So the, I think the first book, it's really, it's more of like a mystery, you know? It's, uh, you know, trying to figure out what's happening. You know, it's like a, a detective, <laughs> like a, a sci-fi detective mm -hmm. uh, story, you know, like where they're trying to figure out the mysteries of like what's going on. But then with, you know, with the the added wrinkle of that it's all aliens um, at the end of the day who are causing all the issues. Second book is more about like human uh, civilization and uh, and kind of thought around, you know, like how people react to like such news. And the third book is just like even more, it's, it's, uh, it's more about like how the universe fundamentally works with physics like how our understanding of the universe is like so microscopic compared to like what it actually is. That that's my very short synopsis of, of how the, the the books break down. So so in the second book, the aliens are on Earth. The Trisolarians are on Earth. No. So the if you remember, like in the at the end of this chapter, they talk about their ships. Yeah. Um, and they but they can only travel one tenth the speed of light, and right. it's four light years away. 
Um, but it actually takes them 400 years to get here. And I think that's because of like, it takes a little while to accelerate and then a while to decelerate too. Cause obviously you have to, you know, get to mm-hmm. the point where you can stop. And there's also like, um, some natural barriers in the way. So the whole, uh, second book is, well, not the whole second book. Most of the second book is just waiting for them to come. And so like the, at the second book actually picks up like right after, um, the first oh, okay. book ends. Uh, but they call it, now they have. The, these things that have eras, right? Um, and like you'll, if you remember the sort of inside baseball to the podcast, like one of our one of my proposed names for the the podcast was the podcast era because the second and third books are all about era, different eras <laughs> that happen. And so um, the first era that happens is called the crisis era, or actually before that's even called the common era. So that's now. Uh, and then they have the crisis era, meaning like, oh, now it's a crisis that the Trisonids are coming here. And then after that, they have you know a whole bunch of different eras um, that that make up the rest of the the, the series. Basically, the, the for the whole most of the crisis era, they're just waiting for the the, the to get here and, and and thinking of ways to combat them, like how to like make them, uh, how to defeat them, because they know their purpose, um, because they find all this data about the Trisonids and what their attentions are, and they find it from the ETO. So does that mean that we're done with the three-body game and the VR suits as well? Because there's there's no more need to uh, elicit empathy for the Trisolarians, or does that continue? No. So for the first book, they're done with the game. And I was actually, when I first read it, I was actually a little bit surprised, because I thought that's going to be the whole conceit of the whole the whole series. After I got the first couple one, I was like, all right, well, now every other chapter or so is going to be going back to the three-body world. But it kind of ends, you know, like, two thirds away from the book. Um, so they're done with it. They do return to it in the third book, or in the, I'm sorry, in the second book, but in a different way. They The ETO is kind of, it's, it's reduced to like basically just like a couple people and um, you know, throughout the, uh, throughout the world. And they meet in the three-body game as sort of like a safe place to, to uh, kind of talk, okay. talk you know, amongst themselves, but it's not for the same purposes. So because the the ETO is kind of decimated at the end of free body problem that there's no real need to continue to keep drawing people to the ETO. So the real purpose of the game is to uh, gauge sympathy of, you know, people who would be welcoming the Trisolarians to come here and take over. And so because the ETO goes away, they don't really need to do that anymore. Uh, one of the things I was thinking when we talked about, uh, I, I mentioned this in the, in the main show as well about uh, how planets are actually spotted and how we were talking about how, how you can see if there's planets around a star. Cause we were talking about if we, you know, we know that Alpha Centauri has three stars, um, but does it have any planets? Like, I don't know if we can actually tell based off of our observation um, technology right now, cause we can only kind of guess that there's planets around stuff by like gravitational wobbles and stuff. One of the things I want to bring up is in Death's End, the third book, one, one of the things that happens is that a person gets gifted a star. <laughs> uh, the main character, uh, Cheng Xin, she gets gifted a star. It's like, yeah, they have like this program. It's like, like currently we have like these things, right? You can buy a star or buy, you know, it's not right. a real claim. You, you right? can have a star named after you. For yeah. That, bucks. So they have like this program to say like, oh, you can buy a star. And so like um, someone buys Cheng Xin a star, but they think it's pretty much useless or worthless because he bought like a really cheap one for her uh, because there's no planets around it. And it's not really, it's not really viable because like their monitoring technology is, is kind of, uh, it's not good enough to see if there's, cause it's too far away to see if there's planets there. But then later in the future, like one of the main, the other main characters, um, she comes up with a way to actually make a better way to observe planets in, in the galaxy, uh, observe stars in the, in, in the galaxy and see if they have planets. And then her star actually does have planets. So that makes it a lot more valuable. So she actually gets like super rich and super important because she has a star with like planets. And especially as if 
people need to leave Earth when the a whole bunch of other stuff happens, <laughs> or potentially might have to leave Earth, then her, her star becomes really valuable. So I just thought, like, as we were talking the other day about, yeah, Alpha Centauri and being able to see other stars, that, like, that story was also kind of analogous to, to that by, like, how we wouldn't know specifically if the three-star system would have planets. That is interesting. I hadn't actually thought about that. So do you have any thoughts on, now that we're, we're nearing the end of, of this book and really considering the entire series, do you have any thoughts on how this would be translated to TV? Because we have eight episodes in our podcast, all of varying length. And I think on a TV show, they need to be a little bit more consistent, but they also uh, don't necessarily have to focus on one book at a time because they have, they could they could make an eight episode series about the entire series if they want, the entire book series if they wanted. Do you have any thoughts on how this book would be broken down into a season and would they do more than one book? Would they, is the first book two seasons? So I'm not sure. Uh, you know, when I approached this, the, the making the reading list for this show, for this podcast, I had thought about it as like three consecutive seasons, basically. And maybe like the the third, the second and third books, maybe break it up a little bit more. Um, but I thought of like more of like a, a linear story, you know, like ev- everything goes in sequence. But it doesn't actually have to be because um, they actually do mess the or they do mix the timelines a bit. And so each another challenge for the I think for the show is going to be that they have three separate main characters for each book. So in the first book, we have Wang Miao, who's the main character, and he just doesn't show up at all uh, after the, the first book. He doesn't die. He doesn't, you know, he just kind of doesn't show up anymore. <laughs> like, they, they just move into a totally different new character. Uh, and so in the second book, they have a character called uh, Liu Ji, who's the, the main character. And he's sort of like Wang Miao. He is a scientist, but he's more, he has a different personality. He's sort of like a womanizer to begin with. And he's more of like a, he's pretty, not lazy, but... He's like not very focused in his efforts, you know? So I think Wang Miao was a little bit more career driven, you know, with his nanomaterial approach and everything. I mean, Wang Miao, I think, doesn't really have that much of a character in the first one, where, where Lo Ji is like a little bit more defined. Uh, and then, so he's like the, he's the main character throughout the first, the, the whole second book. Uh, and then in the third book, we have a whole other main character, which is Chung Xin. And she's, you know, she's the, the main character throughout the, the third book. Loji is also around in the third book, but he's not, he's definitely not the main character. But what happens is like in the second book, they start at, like I said before, and at the end of the crisis era, and they kind of go all the way through, you know, for throughout the crisis era. And then he hibernates for a while. And then he goes into something called um, the deterrence era. And then there's a whole bunch of different eras that he goes through based off of events that happen in the book. And that happens like 200 years into his future, right? So in the year, 24 something, right? In the third book, they kind of restart and Chung Xin kind of is at the same time as at the at the the beginning of the crisis era. And so so she also kind of she hibernates for a little while, goes into the future. So their stories are kind of parallel in the in the for the second and third book. So one of the things I was thinking about and you know talking about talking to people on Reddit about this is like would they combine those two stories and like kind of interweave them? And it might be, me- be even better for a TV show um, because, I mean, you think about Game of Thrones where they have like multiple multiple people's stories happening at the same time and they kind of cut between them, right? And that and that makes sense. And then you don't have to have like a character like just disappear. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't know what they're going to do with uh, with Wang Miao. The, the one thing I was thinking of that I, I, 
I think they might do, but I kind of hope they don't do, is just combine the characters of Wang Miao and Lo Ji. They're different people, but they're probably similar enough where they would consider it. Uh, and then you would have like a same, you know, they're, they're the same kind of age. They're both, you know, Chinese. They, I think they're, they're similar enough where they could combine them and like it wouldn't be too much of a story problem, except that like the events just happen in a weird order for book readers. But like maybe, maybe like, you know, TV show watchers don't care. Right. They just like say like, oh, Wang Miao or, or Loji, like he started, you know, all the, the series of the three body problem and then, uh, you know, continued to, to be all the, all the stuff that does in, in, in Dark Forest and Death's End. I, I know like Game of Thrones TV series, they combine some characters. Um, so I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility. Um, yeah. And, and I think the Netflix series, I, I don't know where they are in terms of their, you know, writing the scripts or even, even breaking the seasons down. But I think they kind of have an advantage of, we talked about there being a, a Chinese uh, television series about, about the three body problem. So they kind of have an advantage of being able to see that and, and analyzing that from a, from a narrative structure perspective and, and seeing, you know, what works and what doesn't work. And, maybe they will make some decisions to be different because again, not knowing anything, I would assume that if the Chinese television series stays very closely aligned with, with the text of the book and you watch that and somebody who's a skilled storyteller might say, well, there's opportunities to improve the narrative flow or be more engaging to audiences. They would, they would be able to do that. I think it's also going to be, I mean, it's challenging enough that it's gonna be, there's a lot of characters in the in the story, and they're all they're, they're all like have Chinese names, right? So people might, you know, confuse them, or you know, like, I think it was sort of the same thing Game of Thrones, right? But there's like there's just tons of characters, and like I didn't have a I didn't have a good way to, uh, you know, keep them all straight when I first started watching. I get confused like who's who and who's on what faction, and they all have like you know weird sounding names, so it's like kind of hard to you know, keep track of everything. I think there's opportunity there. I mean, I hope they don't do it just, you know, as a, as a book reader, you know, who, who understands like the differences between, between the characters, but they might <laughs> just for, for narrative uh, storytelling. It might be like something like, you know, like you said in the Chinese one, like maybe they just like, keep, keep all the same characters because it makes more sense um, to a Chinese audience. And like maybe, the, and the, the story is also a bit more popular there. So a lot of people will be even more mad, but here, I mean, the story is like, that's popular right, among a very certain small sect of, you know, sci-fi readers. But, you know, I would say it's not widely popular. So, so do you think, do you think the popularity of, I, I guess, I don't know what the word is, anthologized series. So the ones that come to mind are, are True Detective, Fargo, or the American Horror Story series, where they have different characters, but they're all kind of in the same I guess American Horror Story is a little bit different, but the other ones, they're all in the same, I'm using air quotes here, but in the same world. Hmm. Do you think they'll do something like that where the, the first season is a, one series of characters and then the next season is a whole new set of characters, but they're still in the same world? Or do you think they'll, they, do they need to keep it connected between different characters? Does Dasher need to show up in season two or can they just forego him and have a whole new dasher type character i guess they could they could definitely have a whole like separate character i mean like he's the same person in book one and book two and actually in book two he gets a lot more stuff to do and yeah i think i mentioned before you know yeah there's there's a lot more story for him to 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 do and he he sort of becomes like a bodyguard to low g uh, because in the in the second book they have these they have this 
like I was talking about before, they have this program called the Wall Facers. And the Wall Facers are four people that the UN kind of determines who are going to make the plans to defeat the Trisolarians. And Leo G is one of them. And he is the only one that the Trisolarians are actively trying to kill. Uh, and so they actually like make a bunch of efforts to try to kill him and like assassinate him. And so Dasher is the one that like stops all that stuff from happening. And even in the future, like there's still efforts to to kill him by the Trisolarians, uh, because they know like he understands the Dark Force principle, and because he understands the Dark Force principle, he's dangerous. He eventually does like come up with a system to deter the Trisolarians from coming here by basically threatening to broadcast the coordinates of Trisolaris to the universe. If he if he does broadcast the, the coordinates of Trisolaris to the universe, then another even more hostile race could find the uh, you know, Trisolaris and destroy it, which is eventually what happens. Like, Village G doesn't do it, but using his deterrence method, like, they eventually do it, and Trisolaris is destroyed uh, because the, the coordinates are broadcast. But the Trisolarians recognize that he's a threat, so they actually... Yeah, like try to try to kill him a bunch of times. So Dasher is actually the one who stops most of those attempts. You know, one side note is like in the in the real world, the one of the the producers we talked about on the show, um, Lin Chi, he actually was killed by another person of you know in his in his company who was trying to uh, who knows why, right? He just he poisoned him. But there's actually a story in the in the second book where uh, Luo Ji actually gets they have a in the future they have like a genetically engineered disease that like that gives people like the cold but it's like super dangerous to lochi specifically and it almost kills him <laughs> uh so everyone was wow. like saying like oh that's you know it's, it, maybe like that's what happened right <laughs> something like that uh it, it, it seems similar enough to uh to that story but yeah they do a whole bunch of efforts to to try to kill him they like try to send a car to kill him they try to like and it's a whole bunch yeah, it's like someone shoot or try, someone tries to shoot him, but he has like a vest on. There's a whole bunch of different ways that um, they they try to kill him. But my original, I feel point, like that would yeah. I feel like that would make for really good television. Yeah, yeah, I think that part was, was cool because like it was like a constant like a constant series of like of him just like avoiding death by like Dasher like pushing him out of the way or or like understanding like what's happening. So like Dasher like you know uh, gains his uh, his gravitas there by saying like uh, he's able to protect Lil G by being his bodyguard. <laughs> But I think your original point about, about being an anthology, um, I mean, it could be, but there's like overarching events for the whole story. You know, the whole story like kind of revolves around the Trisolarians, right? And like, I think True Detective, I, I haven't watched the other two, but True Detective was like more, um, maybe in, their, in the same world, but like the stories didn't have anything to do with each other. Like there was all- Yeah, that's, weird, that's weird true. Call, right? So that's how I think of an anthology series. Um, this would be like, you're living in the same, it's like, uh, if you think about, like a, a TV show like Lost, right? So like you have this whole like mythology around Lost. Um, yet they're on an island. They have like all this, you know, all this stuff happening. So it's like as if like you had like one group of survivors for the first season and then you got rid of all of them and they had a separate group of survivors uh, for the second season, which might be a cool show, but it's just not what the, <laughs> the book is about, you know? So yeah, it's, it's got like, it. It's like that. That, you know, the main characters do shift, but like some of the, the ancillary characters like Dasher or Lil G actually, you know, shows up in the second book. There's others too that, that kind of show up in, in, in multiple books, but the, the main focus of each book is, is a different character. But like I said, in the second and third book, they, they kind of go simultaneously. So I, I could see a way like, you know, they could kind of combine the stories of of the second and third book and kind of weave the stories together and make it like a couple of seasons, you know? And like, because they have like these very discreet eras. They could have season endings like there, right? Um, yeah. It, it could be interesting. Yeah. One of the things I wonder is, and 
you know, I, I think the book does a good job of it, but I wonder how much patience audiences will have for, um, I guess, a lot of world building before they get to knowing that the Trisolarans are out there. Because we spent, I think it's six episodes before we got to the alien. So yeah. I wonder if they'll, if they'll drag it out that, not drag it out, if they'll continue to stretch it out that long and build a lot of suspense or if they'll somehow condense the first two thirds of this book and then expand the, the latter third of this book, if they decide to do one book per, per season. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I, I, I guess I don't give a lot of credit to audience to, <laughs> to audiences, but yeah, audiences are, are lazy and, <laughs> Uh, especially like in a show like this, like they want to like draw them in really quickly, right? Like they're not going to like just like keep them on the hook and be like, oh, they'll they'll watch the end of the season. Like they won't, right? And they'll just leave and and not not care. And like that's just lame. I'm like, I don't care about this. I don't know what's happening. Maybe they'll do something like the, there's like a different mystery in the first couple episodes, like where, yeah. and then like, and the boss is like that too, right? Like yeah, I was gonna say people yeah. stuck around for Lost for. Yeah, a long time. There was like weird mysteries, like you don't know what's happening. This is sort of the same, right? Like you don't know what's happening. Like yeah, Wang Miao sees the countdown. He, um, you know, he he sees the universe flicker. All the, all those weird stuff is happening to him. He doesn't know why, right? So as long as he can keep an audience engaged with the mystery there, I, I think like they can hold off on the alien stuff, and then the alien stuff would be even more powerful. Like it is here, and I think the alien stuff is powerful because because of the connection to like the reason that the aliens were even contacted was because uh, we didn't get to this part in the, in the show yet, but uh, I, I think I talked to her before, but like, yeah, when Jia is actually the one who contacts them. Yeah. Um, because she is so against the human race at this point, because like, she's all seen the stuff that happened in the cultural revolution. Her father was killed. You know, she's just like so beat down by, by the whole system um, that she says, all right, you need to try something. You need to come here and take us over. So I think like by having, by showing all that stuff, by building her up as being that character, uh, and then eventually seeing like, oh, she's the one who contacted the the Trisolarians. Like, like that, that that seems like a good TV show to me. Like, I, hopefully people will be engaged in that. I, I don't know. What What about you? Yeah, I, I I think I think reading the book at this pace, I was interested enough and engaged enough. But again, I I was I wasn't spending an hour a week on this, and I also had kind of you and Jim to guide and shepherd things a little bit. So it was yeah. a little less, I was a little less lost. Not that I mind being lost, but I think, I think I knew that something was going to happen and it was worth sticking around for. But if I'm, if I'm new to the series and, and all I hear is it's from the creators of, of Game of Thrones, which I guess is what they're most best known for at this point. Yeah. I, I, I guess that's, that's not a marketing angle that would keep me past the first episode. Cause looking back at our podcast, like the first couple episodes, there wasn't, you know, there wasn't a lot of mystery and intrigue there. There was in that you didn't know why people were doing what they were doing, but it wasn't, it wasn't really plot based. It was more just, just tension based. Yeah. 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 It, it'll be interesting to see like you know, how much they, they actually try to adapt and change. Like if that's actually a good thing to keep people more engaged, like I can see, I think I would like to see like more world building, you know, because I think that's kind of lacking in the beginning of the book where you just have Wang Miao like running around. Like you kind of hear about like the frontiers of science and you kind of hear about like some of this other stuff that seems like it'd be interesting. So it'd be 
good to hear a little bit more about that, but then like maybe introduce like the tension between the redemptionists and the Adventists like earlier. Like I think it comes later. Yeah. And then it's like all thrown at you at once and you're like, what? <laughs> like like I didn't get it like the first couple of times I read it either. And I was like, I had to like go back and reread it and like, all right, how does this work? You know, who's an Adventist? Who's a redemptionist? Like if they kinda they kinda tried to introduce that in the very beginning by having uh Panhan and uh and Shen Yufei arguing, but you don't know about what, right? But maybe get a little more color there. You know, there's more world building to keep people more engaged in the world. Um, I think would, would kind of lend itself to making the, the story more engaging, I think. And more full frontal nudity if Game of Thrones is anything. <laughs> yeah. is any kind of marker for it. Uh, don't worry about that. On Netflix, <laughs> no ratings. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Although, to be fair, like, I think that stuff was all in the, in the books, too. Like, there's not, there's not a lack of, uh, of nudity and sex and, uh, and mature content in the, in the books themselves. They just kind of leaned into it and said, like, oh, great. We could do that even more. <laughs> yeah, and that's the other... So, again, having read the first book, I think the first the first book, if it was a TV series, could be the equivalent of rated PG because, you know, I don't remember there being any... I, I, guess, I guess there's a murder, but other than that, there's not a lot of graphic violence and there's not a lot of... Maybe there's a couple of deaths, but... You, you can you can do that more tastefully and not end up being too graphic and fun for the whole family. Yeah, I can I can see it being PG or PG thirteen. We haven't seen yeah too much violence. There is some more violence that happens a little bit. You know, and actually the next couple of chapters there's some violence that happens, but nothing like too. There's you know Panhan gets murdered. <laughs> uh, also, like she he gets killed. Um, and like the, he, it's like, it's like one of those movie ones where like they snap his neck and like his neck like turns like yeah. halfway. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's like one of those things, but you know, that, that stuff shows up in PG-13. But, but, but again, e- e- even those kinds of things, you could either show murders like Spielberg does, or you could be like Scorsese and be really right. graphic about it. Right. So right. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it, that'll be also interesting is, is which direction they, they decide to go in, in terms of just overall tone and. Yeah, like I can't. I mean, like there's some, there's like a love story in the second book a little bit, but like there's no sex, there's no, there's no like mature content like that, you know, and and there's very minimal violence throughout the whole series. Like there's, I mean, besides like large scale, you know, destroying the universe, but you know, <laughs> it's not graphic. It's not like right. it's not like it's not like a Tarantino violence, right? It's all like sci-fi, you know, kind of sci-fi kind of violence. Um, you know, there there are some little bit more gory parts than than others but nothing that yeah nothing that's too that's too bad that couldn't you know be fit into it and it's not integral to the story either it's just like kind of gives the story a little bit more color i think the more interesting question for me is to see if like how much science they're going to put into it versus like how much uh papering over and like um under explaining the the science there's a lot of high-minded you know physics and computer science and other kind of science concepts that are, you know, astrophysics, all this like really interesting stuff to me. And that's one of the things that drew me into the story is like, he doesn't like shy away from like really in-depth scientific um, concepts. Um, so I wonder how much of that they're going to put in the TV show. I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know how much, how mass, how much mass um, market appeal there is of that. They could also do what, what Adam McKay did in the big short and throw, Margot Robbie in a bathtub <laughs> and have her explain some really complicated concepts. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess like in Interstellar, they did, they had, they had complicated concepts, yeah. right? They, you know, they, they talked about, 
I think they did that pretty well. Like they talked about the the time differences and time dilation based off of a black hole and gravity and that kind of thing. And so th- those concepts are are out there for a whole TV show. I don't know. Uh, and there's a lot more science. Like right. the you know the 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 science contact of content of these books is a lot more than Interstellar was. But at the end of the day, you know they're all. Yeah, I think they can make them digestible if the story's written well enough. If Benioff can and do it, I don't know. <laughs> They're never going to hire you at this rate. <laughs> so I did have one question for you. Um, you know, in the early stages of the reading the book, you, know, you had some concerns about like the writing style and the exposition dumps. Like, has it got better for you? Like, like do you like what do you think of the writing style as you as you've read um, you know more more of the book? It actually has gotten better for me, and and if it's if it's still happening, I notice less because I'm more engaged in the story, I guess. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I find, I find that fading to the background, especially in these last three, in these last three episodes where we're reading a lot more, it's, it's, you know, the story's starting to move. So I notice that much less every now and then I catch something, something that seems a little off to me, but it's not nearly as obvious or as jarring as it was in the earlier episodes. Yeah, because the, the reason one of the reasons I asked because like you know like I said I, f- I just finished rereading the series, and this time reading it with the knowledge that you guys are also reading it and like thinking about like as I'm as I'm reading it like the all the exposition that happens and like a lot of it's just like people talking to each other and like telling people like parts of the story. I mean things are happening usually and like those things are interesting to me too. Um, but I just it, it's good for me to hear that that it's not such of a problem as it, it's not a continuing problem. Like it was in the beginning for you. And like, it's not, it's not grating on you every time you read it. Like, Oh, this guy. No, <laughs> no, not at all. And, and again, part of me, I wonder if it's again, the story's better, but I also I'm interested to read the next book only because I think you mentioned that a different person did the English translation. So I'm wondering how much of this is on the translator and how much of this is actually just how the books were written. So I would say that it is written differently and I would say it's written worse. Like I think oh. the, I think the translation, like the, it has like less soul to it. Right. It seems like more, uh, more robotic, I guess. Like there's, there's not as much like color to it. Right. And like, I think that really comes through in the third book because the, the Ken Leo, the, the translator for the first book, he comes back for the third one and it, the style just seems much different and much more, more colorful. I, I can't really think of a, a better, better word to, t- to say, hmm. but just like th- there's more more detail to it. It just feels more alive. Where the second book, the second book is also great because it has a lot of cool concepts um, in it, and like you know, it talks like I said, it talks a lot about like social interaction and like you know how the community reacts to the Trisolarians and how the Earth kind of tries to defend against an enemy that it can't see but is that is omnipresent. Um, like how do people deal with that? And then there's also like the concept of like earth, like their progress evolved so much, like in the, in like 200 years that they're arrogant. They go like, Oh, we can, we could take to Trisolarians, no problem. And they can't. <laughs> uh, so so, so do, do you think those differences are, are in it due to the amount of scientific content in each book? I don't think like, so. I think okay. like, I think the third book has the most scientific content, or the the, the grandest scientific content. Yeah. I think the second book it has I mean, a lot, obviously, but yeah, I think it's really just like the translation style and how um, uh, like how we just kind of 
translated like kind of word for word from the the original source, where I think Ken Leo had a little more uh, creative license to kind of make it a more uh, full story and like a more more engaging story. And I'm, I'm not to say that it's bad. It's not bad. Like I I like Dark Forest a lot, um, but the style reading it it's like slower and more dry. Thanks for listening. Leave comments by emailing us at rehydrate at fastmail.com or on Twitter at rehydratepod. Join us next time for episode seven, Sunset for Humanity, where we will be reading chapters 21 to 26 of The Three-Body Problem. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.